If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Mark uh, chapter number 14. And I want to read just a few verses from this chapter before we get into the word of the Lord together. And uh, I am aware that the, the time, uh, it's taken a little bit of time today to take care of some of the things that we needed to talk about and enjoy our children and uh, the, the young people ministering. So we'll do our best to move through this quickly, but there's something that I want to share with you uh, to, to form the, the foundation for what we're doing during this month of spiritual renewal. Last week we talked about how that we all need renewal and that it's time for renewal. And uh, today we're going to be talking about one of those areas of renewal that we're focusing on today and also on Tuesday night. Uh, we're going to look more at the theology behind it, but today we're going to give you kind of the big picture uh, and we're going to be talking about fasting today. So um, if, you're, if you're hungry, just pretend like you're fasting during this and, and maybe you'll get blessed. Mark chapter 14, verse 3, it says, And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very cost, very precious. And she broke the box. She broke it and poured it on his head. This is speaking of Jesus. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. I want to draw your attention there again to uh, that third verse. The second half after the semicolon, it says, And she brake the box and poured it on his head. And today, for a few moments, I want to speak on this subject, broken and spilled. Broken and spilled. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today, for its power and its ability to change and transform us. I pray, Lord God, you would grant me the ability through your spirit to speak in a way that's very clear, conclusive, and convincing about the beautiful truth in your word about fasting. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that as a result, that we would be inspired, that we would be committed, that we would be determined to let your work be done in us through this weapon of warfare. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that at the end, that we would make it to heaven, because that's our passion, that's our desire, is to make it to the other side. Let your will be done in me. Let your will be done in us. And we promise to give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And somebody shout out, Amen. Amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. The Bible says in the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes 4 and 12, it says when you're by yourself, somebody attacks you, you're in trouble. And you can't even get warm by yourself. You need somebody else. And then in verse 12, it says, If one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. So when there's three, one might be broken, two might be a little harder to break, but a three-fold cord is not easily broken. And I shared with you last week that the foundation for this month in February, a month of renewal, comes from the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 6 right now because there's three key verses that we're going to be looking at during this month. The first one is... Matthew chapter 6, 
If anybody has a paper Bible, can you bring? No, never mind, because my uh, digital Bible just went crazy, but it came back. Praise the Lord. Ma- Matthew chapter 6, verse number 3 says, But when thou doest alms, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. When you give. Everybody say, when you give. When you contribute, when you give. And then verse number 5, this is the words of Jesus again. It says, And when thou prayest, don't be as the hypocrite who loves to pray standing in the synagogues and the corners of the street that they may be seen of men. When thou prayest. And then uh, as you skip down a little further to verse 16, Moreover, when ye fast, be not uh, as the hypocrites of a sad, sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you don't appear unto men as to fast, but unto your Father which is in secret. Thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. These are three things in the Beatitudes that Jesus says ought to be the part of every Christian's life. Giving, prayer, and fasting. Notice the Bible doesn't say if you happen to fast or if you decide to pray, this is how you should do it. Or if you want to give, this is how you do it. It says when you do it. The, the, the implied information there is this is expected of every Christian believer. This is a three-fold cord that when you are committed to giving, when you're committed to prayer, when you're committed to fasting, you have a three-fold cord that's not easily broken by the enemy. And so we're going to be focusing on that, and we're going to go in reverse. We're going to start with fasting. Next week, we're going to talk about prayer. And then on the 21st, I believe it is, we're going to talk about giving. So here we are. Speaking of fasting. Now, there was a time in the ministry of Jesus when his disciples were trying to cast an evil spirit out of a young boy. And they were unsuccessful, and they had to wait for Jesus to come down from the mountain to take care of the job for them. And uh, when it was all said and done, they said to the Lord, they, they said, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing, everybody say nothing, shall be impossible unto you if you've got faith. Then verse 21, he says, how be it? How be it? This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. He said the issue is unbelief. If you believe, it's going to happen. How be it? There are some things, there are some things that only prayer and fasting can bring about. Nothing is impossible. How be it? This kind cometh not but by prayer and fasting. Now, it seems almost like a contradiction there. If you believe, nothing is impossible. How be it? This kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. Kind of seems like a contradiction. But I want you to understand that Jesus was telling his disciples, I was able to cast out this spirit by faith because I have put in my time in prayer and fasting. This was after Jesus had spent 40 days fasting in the wilderness. And Jesus would withdraw in the morning at times during the day for prayer. Even though he was God, 
manifest in the flesh. He understood the power of prayer. And he was teaching to us the power of prayer and fasting. Jesus was saying, you couldn't handle it because you haven't come through the prayer and fasting that I've come through. And you don't have the kind of faith that I have because your vessel hasn't been through what my vessel has been through. Jesus fasted because there were supernatural things that could only be released through fasting. But I want you to understand today that the real key is not what fasting accomplishes outside of you. But the real key is what fasting does in you and to you. Fasting's real impact is within. What happens to you when you humble or afflict your flesh? Now, let me just ask you, do you ever feel like this in, in, as a Christian? Do you ever feel like, man, I'm not as effective as I used to be? My passion for God has gone down from what it used to be. I'm not asking for a show of hands, but can you at least wink at me if there's anybody in this house that knows what I'm talking about? Life has a tendency to begin to wear on you. We talked about last week the fact that we all need to be renewed because we become corrupted by this world. Our minds can become corrupted, and life can wear us down to the point where serving the Lord seems like more of an appointment, more of an appointment than an encounter with the presence of God, something you're obligated to do rather than something that you've got so much joy about and you're weary of the routine. And sometimes it even affects your relationships. You just find yourself flaring up with, at your kids and your family and at work because Christianity has become more of a religious routine. You're full of faith. You believe in God. You believe it's the right thing to do, but you're kind of just going through worship with no brokenness or no passion. It's just routine. And sometimes you get a little bit dull. And I shared with you, I think it was about four years ago, the statement by Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln said, if you give me six hours to chop down a tree, six hours, chop that tree and fell it. Now, I understand Abraham Lincoln knew what he was talking about. He was raised in a log cabin in Kentucky. He said, if you're going to give me six hours to chop down a tree, I will spend the first four hours sharpening the axe because it's so much easier to get it done if you have a sharp instrument. Because using a dull axe requires more physical effort and time to cut down the same number of trees as a well-sharpened axe. And what happened is, what happens is, every believer, everybody say, that means me, Every believer loses the edge in his or her life from one time or another. And we find ourselves like the person without the sharp axe, whacking away at the tree, trying to get the tree to fall because we're going in our own strength. And it makes us increasingly dull, ineffective, and even dangerous. But I want to tell you today that declaring a spiritual fast is a way of interrupting the dulling effect of life's routine. Life gets me dull because it's such a routine. But declaring a fast interrupts the routine, and it's a time to pause and let the edge be fixed again. Let the sharpness spiritually come back to regain the edge that we have lost. 
Regaining the edge prepares the way for you to accomplish much more through the power of the Holy Ghost than you could with your own strength. How many believe you can do more through the Holy Ghost than you can through your own strength? Praise God. Praise God. And when you put together fasting with prayer and time spent reading, meditating, and studying on the Word of God, these three together work just like the woodman's tools to sharpen the axe, to put the edge back into our spiritual life. Now, if, if Jesus could have done his work without fasting, why did he fast? It's an understanding that it requires us pausing to renew, to refresh, and to sharpen. Because there is a place of power and a place of anointing that we can never experience without being led into the wilderness, without coming away from everything else to seek God in prayer and fasting. It has to happen, or we'll get dull. It has to happen, or we will become vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. And one of the main things that fasting does for us is to cause us to be broken, and emptied. Broken and emptied. Now, there's the story in the Old Testament, very interesting story, of a woman who had a tragedy in her life. Her husband passed away. And to make matters worse, her husband didn't have a very good insurance policy. To make matters even worse, her husband left her in a pile of debt. Back during those days, most women weren't able to earn a living. They were dependent on the man in those ancient days. And so as a result of the debt, the creditor showed up at her house, said, you got to pay us. You owe us. She said, don't you understand my husband's debt? I haven't got anything. He said, you do have two things that we could use. She's like, what? Your two sons, they can become our slaves and that will relieve the debt. And she was in a bad situation, as you can imagine having to sell her sons into slavery to pay the debt that she was in when her husband passed away. Just so happened that her husband was a righteous man, had a relationship with a prophet named Elisha. She called Elisha and told him the story. Elisha talked to God, and God gave him a, a plan. And the plan was, tell those boys to go throughout all the neighborhood. And as they go through the neighborhood and talk to your neighbors, tell them to ask all of them if you can borrow a vessel. Verse 3 in this story says, go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. Get empty vessels and not just a few. And those of you that know the miracle, the story, the only thing that she had of any value besides her son was a small little cruise of oil. Back then oil had value just like oil has value today. For different reasons. And so they filled this room with all of these vessels, vases, containers from all through the neighborhood. And she took the container and the prophet of God told her, pour that from the cruise into one of the containers. And so she turned the cruise up, probably thought, well, what's the use in this? And pour it from one to the other. She poured it and a miracle happened. And the oil continued to flow out of the cruise 
until the vessel was full. And then she went to the next vessel. And she poured the oil in, and the miracle continued. This little cruise continued to flow oil because it was supernaturally artesian. And God was multiplying the oil from vessel to vessel to vessel to empty vessel, now it's full, empty vessel, now it's full, until she reached the very last vessel and she poured it out and the last few drops dropped out into the final vessel. The reality is the miracle was going to continue as long as there were empty vessels. Go get vessels. By the way, don't get a few. Make sure they're empty vessels because God is a God of miracles. But in order for the miracle to continue, he needs empty vessels. And whenever our vessel is full of whatever this world would like to put in us, there is no room for God's miraculous power to flow through us. The only way that God can flow through us is when we as a vessel become broken and spilled so that we have room for the miracle to flow through us. The Bible makes it plain plain that our physical bodies, everybody touch your body, pinch your own shoulder right now, hard, so you wake back up, pinch it hard, okay? Our bodies are temples. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your physical body, this container, is a temple for God's Holy Spirit. The Shekinah glory used to dwell in a tabernacle in the wilderness. And then it moved into a beautiful temple that was constructed by Solomon. But Jesus said, don't you know that a change is coming? And the Spirit of God's not going to dwell in a stone temple, but it's going to dwell in a temple made out of flesh and blood. Don't you understand that your body is the dwelling place of the Spirit of God? Therefore, you ought to glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which now belongs to God. Your body is a temple. It was bought with a price. And we heard last night, those of you that were at the movement, Brother Shoemaker so expertly revealed to us, that we replace God with so many things in our life and our temple gets full of trash. We fill our temple with everything else. We replace God with all kinds of fleshly desires and pursuits and interests and concerns. It fills up our temple. There's an interesting story from the life of Jesus. Jesus we know as a gentle person the one that taught us to turn the other cheek if our friend would strike us or our enemy would strike us. But one time in his life, we see him seemingly get out of character and become zealous and even violent. John chapter 2 and verse 13, the Bible says, at the Jews' Passover when it was at hand, Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. 
And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, take these things hence, make not my father's house and house of merchandise. And the disciples were watching him and they're like, what's going on? This is not like Jesus. He's turning over the tables. He's driving out the animals. If he's having to, he's, he's taking that whip on the people that were there changing money and selling sacrifices and to turn the holy temple into a place of merchandising. What Jesus was saying, this is a holy place. This is a holy place, and this holy place is the dwelling place of God, and you filled it up with trash. You filled it up with worldly things. You filled it up with financial things. You've put in God's holy temple all of these worldly things, and it is time to clean them out. The disciples said, the zeal for thine house hath eaten thee up. Something's gotten a hold of him. And I want you to understand that this was not just about the temple and the Old Testament principle of the temple. Jesus understood full well that, 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 that everything was getting ready to change and the Shekinah glory of God was going to be manifest in the temples of flesh as human beings. He was showing us and revealing to us that God's holy temple oughtn't have room for the trash of this world. And we've got to get zealous like he did from time to time to clean out the temple. Clean out everything that distracts, everything that defiles, everything that captures the attention that should be focused on God. The significance of the physical temple was about to change when you and I were filled with the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. And if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. You are, wow. We are the temple of God, and we're not to defile the temple. And Jesus cleaned out the physical temple. And my question to you today is what needs to be cleaned out of your temple? What needs to be cleaned out of this dwelling place of the Spirit of God? Now, when a person goes through a time of fasting, when they withhold food from themselves for spiritual discipline purposes, there are side benefits. There are health benefits from fasting. It's highly chronicled. That when a person stops eating, it gives the body opportunity to cleanse itself of toxins. Physically, it's a time of renewal and restoration. That's why Health specialists and doctors recommend fasting just for health purposes. It gives your body an opportunity to release all of the toxins that could lead to sickness and disease, that could lead to weariness and fatigue. It gives your body a chance to reboot or system restore. This happens when a person fasts. But what about spiritually? What about spiritually? I believe that fasting not only provides health benefits by purging your body of toxins, but I believe that spiritually things are 
able to be released from you that could cause you problems if they stay in you. That's what toxins are. Sometimes we lose our edge spiritually because sin begins to permeate our lives. Fasting and prayer can help you overcome the habits of sin. But you got to stop what you're doing, pause, and spend some time focusing on God. Fasting and prayer can help you end addictions. Can I get an amen? I know of a lot of people that gain victory over tobacco addiction, alcohol addiction, drug addiction, addiction to pornography and other secret sins through a time of fasting because it allowed their life, the temple, to be flushed of anything that would defile the temple that they were. Because I want to tell you that sin, disobedience to God, clogs up the pipeline of future blessings in your life. You know that God wants to bless you? God has plans for you. God wants to bless your family. God wants to bless you in your health. God wants to bless you in your finances. I just believe that. He's a good, good father. Amen? He's a good, good father. And we have sin and iniquity that's settled in in our lives. It begins to clog the flow of God's blessings. And whenever your drains get clogged at the house, you know that nothing's flowing through. And you need something. You need, what do you need? You need some Drano. Or you need to call Roto-Rooter. And away go problems down the drain. Come on now. Fasting is spiritual Drano. It has the ability to unclog sin that has been kinking or choking off the flow of God's blessings into your life. I want to tell you that this time of spiritual renewal is, 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 is significant and important because there are some backlog blessings that God's want to put into your life that he can't put into your life because iniquity has stopped the flow. Rebellion, addictions, bad habits that you picked up along the way. You had no intention to do it. It's just that your thinking has become corrupted and it's time to renew. It's time for a system restore. And when you go through a time of fasting, it has the ability somehow when we afflict and humble our soul, our our bodies, our flesh, it has the ability of flushing sins of the flesh out of our temple so that blessings can begin to flow again. Because fasting changes everything about you. Spiritual disciplines change you. It makes you more sensitive to the trash that's trying to invade your life. When you're spiritually dull, you can't even tell. You don't even know the effect it's having on you. You don't know how it's pushing you away from God. You don't know how this is separating you from your wife. You don't know how these things are impacting your relationship with your kids. You don't know the impact that it's having in your life. But when you start fasting, you start seeing through God's eyes. And you start recognizing the impact of these things that you have allowed into your life. And spiritually, you begin to resurrect the new nature of Christ in you again. And the new nature cannot sin because it's born of God. Come on, somebody. When that new nature comes alive, your priorities change, your appetites change, everything changes. Sometimes it's not enough just to pray through in the altar. Sometimes it's not enough just to pray till the tear flows. Remember when I was a little kid, I, 
I thought I was maybe God was, that I'd messed up and, 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 uh, and I need to get it right with God. And I wasn't sure if I was right with God because, you know, when you're little, you're like, you don't want to miss the rapture, right? You're like, when you come home and you can't find mom, mom, mom. Only you that were raised in a Pentecostal home know what I'm talking about, right? In a Christian home. Where's mom? Where's dad? Called on the phone trying to find out, did Jesus come and I've been left behind? And so I want to make sure I'm right with, with the Lord. So I go down the altar and pray. And if a tear came down my face, I'm like, Shazam. We got it. We're all good. Or if I get the stammering lips and speak in tongues, that's where some people, if I, can, if I can just break through and speak in tongues again, I know I got it all good. But the reality is there's going to be a lot of tongue, tongue, tongue talkers that aren't going to go to heaven. Sorry, that's what the Bible says, not me. We cast out evil spirits. In your name, we did all manner of works. He said, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. The problem was you can talk in tongues and have sin in your life. But the Bible is teaching. And I believe the Bible makes it very clear that it's not enough just to talk in tongues for a few minutes. It's not enough just to go down and pray at the altar till you cry. It's not enough just to get your bebop on when the praise team's singing. See, look, I'm bebopping. Hey, I'm still right with God. Hey, I'm here. I'm here loving Jesus with all y'all. Come on. And... Sometimes you got to pause and get out the tools and say, we're going to stop whacking away at the tree for a while. We're going to sharpen this thing up. We're going to break the flesh down. We're going to break pride down. We're going to break these things down so that God's spirit can work in us, so that God can do in us and through us what he desires to do. Fasting begins to make you sensitive to the trash that's trying to invade your life. When you start fasting, some of you experienced this last week. I'm going to read your mail right now. You, you fasted from media, didn't look at anything. Then Saturday, the media fast is over. Some of you at midnight, Friday night, got at your computer and said, my God, I got to find out what happened on Instagram this week. I got to get caught up. And then... You, went, you, you started to fall back into your regular habit of the things you would look at and the things you were going to click on and, and as you looked through. And then there was something that you would naturally just click on before, and as you get ready to click on it, you're like, wait, I don't need to look at that. I, I don't need this. See, because fasting has the ability to make us more sensitive and keen to the influence and the impact of the things that are happening in our life, that when we're in the routine, it is dulling us and destroying us and we don't even realize it but fasting has the ability remember the bible says the devil goes about like a roaring lion to seeking whom he may devour he's prowling about the enemy is prowling about and you've got to be vigilant and sensitive and when you get dull you can't even sense how these things are impacting i'm telling you the devil is in the details and what you feed your mind on matters Fasting and prayer gets your sensitivity back on the things of God. And you can begin to focus on getting the trash out of the temple. Tell you fast, you don't even recognize the trash in the temple. So I want to invite you to invite God to begin a demo project in your life. Tear down who you were to become who you, he meant you to be. Because I want to tell you that what is in you will come out of you when you fast and pray. Whether it's good or bad, it's going to come out of you. 
when you fast and pray, just like infection comes out when you put heat on it. When you fast and pray, everything that's been lodged in you, it's coming to the surface. It's coming out. That's why sometimes when a church engages in fasting and prayer, then things begin to come out. Sin begins to come out. Why? Because there's pressure and there's heat, and it's going to bring it to the surface. I know you're not saying amen right now, but the reality is I don't want a big church. I want a church that's going to heaven. And if there's secret sin, and you may look the part... You may have everything together, but you've got sin in your life. Let's put heat and pressure on it spiritually so that it can come to the surface so that you can be healed, amen, so that you can be made right with God. And and I'm telling you, this happens during periods of fasting and prayer. Whatever's in you, whether good or bad, it's coming out of you. Because through this process, you're about to get broken and spilled. You're about to get broken and spilled. When you eliminate food from your diet for a number of days, your spirit becomes uncluttered by the things of this world and you become amazingly sensitive to the things of God. Now, in the meantime, while it's happening, you're not going to recognize it. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to feel like this is a waste of time and why would I be doing this? The key in fasting is in the story of the alabaster box. The contents were not released until the box was broken. It wasn't released until the box was broken. And in order to be renewed, we have to be emptied first. During this month of renewal, understand, brothers and sisters, that in order to be renewed, you must be emptied first. Everybody with me on that? Because I'm going to put another brick on it. The second brick is, in order to be emptied, you must be broken. You can't be renewed until you're emptied, and you can't be emptied until you're broken. And fasting breaks the vessel. That's why the Bible says in Matthew 6, it says, when you fast, don't do it for men's applause. Don't do it so you can be recognized by other people because that is the exact opposite effect that fasting is supposed to have. Fasting is to humble and break your flesh. And if you use it in pride to exalt your flesh, then you got your reward already. But if you want the real reward, which is the renewal that's going to come to your spirit, then you need to... In essence, do it in a way that breaks and humbles you rather than in a way that exalts you. Does that make sense? That's why it says in Matthew 6, when you fast, don't appear to men to fast because then you got your reward and you're not getting the blessing that's coming as a result of it. But if you let fasting instead of exalt you, break you and humble you, then what will take place is there will be spiritual renewal. 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, it says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sins and heal their lands. I want you to notice the first thing that has to happen before you pray, before you seek his face, before you turn from your wicked ways, the Bible says, first of all, you gotta humble yourselves. We, the people of the name of the Lord, must humble 
ourselves. After the Passover, we taught on Tuesday night. After the Passover is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And every Jewish household cleansed all the leaven out. What is leaven? Leaven is yeast. said, we don't want any yeast in the house. You don't put it in your bread, and you sweep it out of, the, out of everything because a little bit of yeast affects the whole lump of dough. So if any yeast gets in, it's going to puff up the whole thing. And so you've got to get it out. And leaven or yeast is a type of sin. And so they're saying, you've got to get all the sin out of your temple. Because even a little bit of sin causes it to puff up. What is puffed up? Puffed up is pride. The opposite of humility. Sin in your life puffs you up. When you get rid of sin, there's nothing to puff you up. And you can be humbled. Praise God. And so first of all, in order to humble ourselves... This is what fasting does. It cleans the temple. It gets all of the leaven, all of the yeast out so that there's no opportunity for the enemy to puff you up so that God cannot uh, bring about the transformation into your life. Get rid of it. Fasting is self-humbling. Psalms chapter 35, verse 13, it says, As for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting. I humbled. Everybody say, I humbled my soul with fasting. Ezra 8 and 21, the NIV said, there by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey. Matthew 18, 4, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as a little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Matthew 23, 12, Whomsoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. And when the Pharisees fasted, they did it without humility. It was religious routine. But true fasting is about humbling our flesh. It's repeated over and over and over in Scripture. How humbling yourself is significant. And the Bible says that you humble yourselves through fasting. Can you see now why Jesus said, don't do it in a way that brings attention to yourself and exalts you for fasting because it destroys the purpose. The purpose, fasting embraces emptiness and starves haughtiness and being puffed up out of our spirit. It's hard to stay prideful when you're fasting. When you're doing a spiritual fast God's way. Fasting is a withdrawal from normal life in the regular world, emptying ourselves, not just of food, but of anything else that we seek, crave, and require out of necessity. Now, the rest of this we're going to talk about on Tuesday night. We're going to draw to a close right now. So much more that we could say today. We're going to continue in Tuesday night on this concept. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. I just want to say this about the fast this week. Because when you start, you're going to feel like quitting. Anybody that's been there before know what I'm talking about. You're going to be like, are you going to go through mood swings? Like... 
I'm getting spiritual. This is awesome. And then 20 minutes later, this is crazy. What, this doesn't even work. What am I doing? I'm in a bad mood. I'm having coffee withdrawals. What's up? My wife even has a shirt that says, first coffee, then talkie. That's a, a pajama shirt. So I guess we're not going to be doing much talking the next couple of weeks until we detox. But you're going to feel like quitting and giving up. But fasting is waiting on God. It's waiting on the Lord. Daniel fasted for 21 days because he requested something of God and needed an answer. The answer didn't come. And so he afflicted his soul, which, which the, he afflicted his flesh, which means to humble his flesh. Because how, are you, how is it that you're humbling your flesh? Well, your flesh is in control, right? Your flesh is king. And whenever you get hungry, your stomach says, head to in and out right now. And you're like, we'll be there. Okay, come on now. Let me finish. Okay, okay. You're, you're in charge. I understand. Fasting p- puts the flesh in its place, takes it off of the throne, and humbles it. Are you guys with me? And you wait on God. And, and sometimes it's a challenge because you want something to happen quickly. And, and let me be honest with you. Sometimes you're going to feel less spiritual when you're fasting. Because there's nothing that brings the joy of the Lord like Starbucks. I mean, really, come on. Iced coffee? I mean, what a mood change. My faith is higher. And then I'm fasting and I'm like, I don't even know if I can make it home. Much less God's going to use me powerfully. So you're going to witness that person? I'm just hoping I don't bite their head off. You know what I'm saying? So you feel a little less spiritual. But you've got to wait on God and understand that something's happening to my flesh. It's being broken. And things are coming out of me that's got to come out. I don't even see it happen. I don't even recognize it happening. But there's a purging that's happening. There's a transformation. There's a change that's happening. You're waiting on God. And the Bible says in Isaiah, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Praise God. They that wait upon the Lord. And this week while you're fasting, these two weeks while you're fasting, while you're reading your Bible, while you're in prayer, while you're mad at me for calling the fast, while all these things are happening, I want you to realize you're waiting on the Lord. You're waiting on the Lord, and you're going to renew your strength. You're going to gain strength, and I love the imagery. You're going to mount up with wings like an eagle. You're going to eventually be able to soar. See, because they, they're saying is, is, is you got to walk before you run. That's cool, but I'm saying you got to wait before you soar. Praise God. If, if you want to mount up with wings like an eagle, you got to wait upon the Lord. Because there's some people that are so discouraged by things that have happened in their life, they don't feel like there's any answer. They don't feel like there's any way it's going to change. But I'm telling you that if you wait upon the Lord, all of a sudden you can soar up above what seemed impossible. Some of you have dreams and visions about your family, your ministry, your business that you've been praying about. I'm telling you that if you will wait upon the Lord, praise God, you'll mount up with wings. As an eagle. Come on, somebody praise him right now. 
We're talking about something supernatural that transpires. Come on, spirit. God, move right now. Hallelujah. 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 Let's stand together right now. Praise God. Praise God. what God wants to do in us. We have to get it settled in our spirit. That our gifts and talents and abilities are useless in fulfilling God's purpose until we are broken and spilled. The alabaster box was broken. The precious ointment was spilled. They said, what a waste. Not a waste. This was done for me. As long as we're haughty, prideful, and our abilities, our education, our skills, then we're not useful for the kingdom. And all of us are subject because you can be humble one minute, humble for 10 years, and then five years later, you're haughty and puffed up. There's nothing that humbles the flesh like denying the flesh and pursuing spiritual things. It changes the dynamic. Because once the box is broken, then the ointment can flow. Once the box is broken, then everything that's inside can be released, both good or bad, so that God's purpose can be done. The temple of the Holy Spirit before you and I were We said it was a stone temple in Jerusalem. But then there was a baby born in the manger in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, flesh and blood. But he was more than just a man because he had God on the inside. He was the temple of God before you and I were the temple of God. The temple of God housed in flesh. And within this temple, within this vessel, was the most precious ointment ever. Because in Leviticus, the word says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. And thousands of lambs, bullocks, and doves had been slain to temporarily atone for the sins of humanity. But flowing through this vessel, contained in this vessel, was precious blood. His blood was not just the blood of another spotless lamb. But his blood had the power to atone for you and me, all of our sins in the past, all of our sins in the future, all the sins of all of our ancestors, and should the Lord tarry our children and grandchildren, atoned through the blood that was held captive in this whole vessel. As Jesus gathered his disciples together for the Last Supper, he poured the juice, the fruit of the vine, he took the bread. Before there was wine, there was bread. Because before there could be a flow of blood, there had to be a breaking of the vessel. And he broke the bread first said, this is my body, my flesh, 
which was broken for you. Take, eat. And then he took the cup. He said, now, now we've got something precious. This is the blood of the New Testament. This is the atonement right here. This is my divine purpose. This is why I came down in the first place. This is what's going to wash your sins away. This is what makes you white as snow. This is what gives you hope of eternal life right here in this cup. It's the precious blood of the Lamb. Take drink. This is my blood. But listen to me, my brothers and sisters. There is no precious blood that is poured out and spilled until there's a breaking of the body. When the vessel of Christ was broken, from it flowed liquid love, the blood of the Lamb that cleansed and washed all of our sins away. And I want you to understand, for us to become a part of God's purpose, our flesh has to be broken as well so that His divine purpose and atonement can flow through us. His calling can flow through us. We can be aligned with our purpose through allowing our flesh to be broken. I want us to come together to the front right now before we leave here today. I want us to pray together. Can we do that just for a minute? We're going to pray for a few minutes as a church family. If you're a guest with us today, I I encourage and invite you to come as well because we want God's purpose and will to be done in our lives here today. The more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I because obviously we want to be saved. We want to be right with God. We want to go to heaven. But beyond that, we've been saved for a purpose, not just for a ticket to heaven. Do you guys understand that? If the only purpose of your salvation was to get to heaven, then there'd be no reason for you to stick around after you get saved. Just go to heaven. But he left us here because his purpose is to flow through us you believe that that God wants to flow through you and sometimes because we're not broken we become puffed up and we become full of defilement sin maybe it's not sin that you can list but you know that you're you've grown dull 
and you've lost that sensitivity to God and there's nothing flowing through you like an infection you're puffed up with what's in you and right now right now we're going to break in the presence of the Lord I feel, I feel the spirit about ready to break something here but, but it's got to be by choice God's not going to force anything like this on you but there's got to be something that says okay God I want all this trash to flow out and I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait on you and I'm going to take, take part in this as we do this as a church but it's not just a practice it's not just a diet to try to lose five pounds but God I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on you and I'm going to say Lord whatever's in this temple it needs to come out of this temple Jesus I pray Lord God that I'd be broken and spilled so that there'd be room for you to flow through me to change and impact my world in the name of the Lord so right now I want us just to break in the presence of the Lord Jesus I pray, Lord God, that you would wash me and cleanse me, Lord Jesus. Anything that's caused me to become puffed up and resistant to the power of the Spirit working through me and to repentance, Lord God, let it break. Let it, let, let it come out of me. In the name of Jesus. reach over and pray for that person next to you right now if it's appropriate let's lay your hand on their shoulder or take their hand let's pray for one another I feel the work of the spirit happening here right now hallelujah come on let the tears flow that's all right something needs to spill out of you right now hallelujah